Blog Talk Radio. And with those uh, those lovely chords and notes, uh, we are here and drive through HR land. It is uh, June third, twenty twenty one, and I'm Robin Schooling along with my co-host Michael Vandervoort. Hey, Michael. Hey, Robin. How are you today? I am. Uh, I'm good. I'm. I'm battling with uh, office frustrations with internet and. Wi-Fi and things again today, so I'm so glad that we have this little break. So I'm going to get, get some get some like moments of peace here over the next 30 to 45 minutes and uh, and and readjust my day. I think. How, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I think the last time that we did a show together, I did one yesterday without you, but I think last week you were doing the Nomad Life, wandering from coffee I was. shop to coffee shop, right? So. So you're still you still haven't got all that mess sorted out. So much for the joys of uh, work from home. Anyway, right? I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. It's uh, it's about day 20 here in Florida of a pretty bad drought, but we're supposed to get thunderstorms tonight. Mm. So everybody's kind of look, looking to the skies, hoping that it drops rain on our heads and, and uh, cools things down a little bit. But otherwise, doing okay. Yeah. So my good, usual good. weather, my usual weather is yes. So. Anyway, <laughs> I have so. inner, I have Wi-Fi updates, and you have weather updates. That's our, that's our exactly. stick here this month. This is what um, constitutes witty banter these days. So. That's right. <laughs> anyway. That's right. Well, but you know what? We are going to have. I think. Uh, I don't know if it'll necessarily be witty banter, but we're going to have some <laughs> like good be. banter today with our. Um, our guest and our um, our topic, and I'm so looking forward to this. This is going to be yet another fascinating and interesting conversation, and I think all people need to look at is the title of our show, which is from corporate to kink. I mean, I mean, talk about <laughs> talk about an enticing title. So, our guest today that we are so thrilled to welcome is. Um, Catherine, or Katie, I should say, um, Zitterbar. So welcome, Katie. Thank you for having me, Michael and Robin. I'm, I'm so happy to be here with you. Yeah, we are, we yeah. are thrilled to have you. And, um, you know, we, uh, we are, we are going to have, a, I think, a very wide-ranging conversation today. And uh, okay. before we kick off, uh, for our listeners... Um, who have not necessarily yet gone to um, gone to search you out online or anything? Um, mm-hmm. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us tell us who Katie is. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> who am I? Wow, what a question! That <laughs> <laughs> is the great question of my life. Um, I think a, an easy, simple way to introduce myself would be to share. One of my core beliefs, which is that all of us, each and every one, is worthy and deserving of love, uh, meaningful connection to the divine, to nature, however one experiences that, access to services, access to buildings, um, autonomy and sovereignty in our bodies, Mm. literacy in as many forms as possible, community, 
and safe places and people. So mm. pretty much everything I do comes from that general perspective. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is the essence of me. I also have a twin brother, which people <coughs> tend to find interesting. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that's me. <laughs> very, very interesting. Pretty, uh, truly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So now, what's what's going to be interesting for our our listeners? I think mm-hmm. as they as they listen through today is to kind of um, grow in their understanding. I think of 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 those those beliefs and values and philosophies that that govern your life. Um, sure. Interest and in where you are today. The interesting part, though, is you have worked as an HR professional in the past. Tell, tell us a little bit about your HR, your time <laughs> in HR and, and kind of how you transitioned into other things. Uh, sure. My life in human resources was never in HR departments. So okay. after grad school, I started working with a management consulting company, and then I went into uh, the dot-com reality. And HR, for me, typically I, I sit in engineering or some kind of systems group and organizations helping with uh, recruiting, onboarding, mm-hmm training, and I've done a a great deal of business process engineering and looking at less about how can systems be more efficient and more about how can people be better supported. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's that. I did have my SPHR at some point in time, (laughs) so I passed whatever test that was. But people typically bring me in um, now, executives who are in some stage of early startuphood who are looking to make some concrete statements about corporate culture and also compliance. So I'm all, I, I would say I'm all over the place. I'm helping people solve problems, though, right? Yeah. So if yep. a person wants, if an organization needs to be compliant in order to file with the SEC, that all has to be true. And employees and people who are coming into this high-risk context also need to be supported through that process. Right. Right. What it, 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 now? You you know you have some very interesting, um, you know, c- credentials and and experiences um, mm-hmm. that that have you know kind of taken you on this journey through your life. Tell tell us a little bit about you know some of those things that I guess you really don't see in the typical. Um, you know, certainly the HR practitioner, but even like a corporate coach, you know, you, you've got some really fascinating background. How do you mean? I'm, I'm just, I want to answer your question in the direction well, you're asking the, it. Yeah, the, you know, um, I guess the Eastern religion philosophy aspects okay. that have kind of mm-hmm. governed your life and uh, what your master's degrees are in, things like that. Okay. 
Oh, degrees. That is very generous of you. I only have one degree, <laughs> one master's degree. Uh, so I, 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 did I receive or when? I don't know what the correct word is. Uh, master's degree in critical theory from Carnegie Mellon University. And um, so that, that would be the, like, the big stick academic mm-hmm. moment. The, the piece about uh, non-Western modes of thinking and being, mm-hmm. that, it, it's difficult for me to pinpoint how and where that started for me primarily because of the household in which I was raised. So both of my parents were um, artists and musicians and teachers. And my mother had a, uh, she started in love with the French Impressionist and then discovered medieval Japan and an influx of art and she changed all that she was doing with her own art and needle pointing and such. And it, it began conversations that I was invested in. And then I had a teacher my senior year of high school, uh, not high school, college, Linda Pencower. She has since passed. Um, I took her class in Asian art history as a throwaway because I thought, oh, it's art history. Right, learn some paintings, mm. write a narrative, and she, that lady, oh my goodness, mm. I could not understand how non-dualism and non-binary modes of operation, it, it was so odd to me and just became a fascination and has since then become a, um, pretty much where I sit. Uh, mm. In my perspective, and I and I sit solidly in the realm of Tao, Taoism, um, philosophically, not religious Taoism, and that that'll factor into if we start talking about power dynamics and kink mm-hmm. and how that still actually does have to do with uh, life at work. The this mm. idea that there is no separation, there's none. We're all connected. Everything I do has an impact. Everything Mm -hmm. you do has an impact. So what is the impact of my actions? And what are the impacts of my choices? Am I um, making decisions that are moving me towards balance, away from balance? And believe me, a lot of these lessons I learned by going very much out of balance. (laughs) So... um, (laughs) It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go sit in a cave and discover Tao. It was much different <laughs> than that. And so that's, that's um, the perspective I, I teach from is mm-hmm. this non-dual, non-binary perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> really, yeah. Does that yeah. answer your question? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I love it. <laughs> it it, it, bring, it brings more questions, though. Um, it does so bring more questions. Okay. Yeah, you talked about your, your degree, and just in yeah. reading the degree, you said it was in critical theory. Um, critical there's theory. Been a, there, there's been a – so so number one, 
what is critical theory? Let's let's go there first, and then I have to follow. Sure. It is what happens when academics try to understand the world as proletariats. And I may get some pushback for that, but uh, it, it could be different today. When I was in grad school, it, it was sort of coming into um, popularity here in the United States. Much of the source texts or ideas originated in Europe after World War II when, this is the history I know, somebody else might tell you a different one, but academics, mm-hmm. um, sociologists, economists, linguists were looking at the urban reality in post-war Britain and the youth subcultures that arose from that and were like, oh, there's something here. And the what is here, um, as I intersected with it, primarily um, through semiotics, which is how symbols create meaning, and mm-hmm. through identity. So when I was in grad school, this predated women's studies and queer theory and gender studies. So I was in that precursor wave. And I, I think one of the big uh, misconceptions about anything academic or philosophical with the word critical in it in these contexts is that somehow critical also like equals criticizing, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's wrong, uncritical. Rather, it's, oh, this thing exists. How does it exist? Who is impacted by it? What is the effect of it? And, and generally looking at constructs, social constructs, racial constructs, gender, you know, labor. Labor is huge. So mm-hmm. um, can I tell you about the book that turned me on to all of this? Is that okay? Sure. Uh-huh. Okay. So in 19, I had to look up the date because I wasn't sure. In 1963, uh, this guy named E.P. Thompson wrote a book called the making of the English working class. It had, I think it was like 400 pages. I was the only person in my class who read the whole thing because I was like, yes, because it happened by design. And that design has harmed so many (laughs) globally in the 20th century. But it was just fascinating to me. So when I uh, found out that I could get a degree in critical theory from a top school and finish my MA in a year. I said, hello, Carnegie Mellon. I would like to play with you. Oh, interesting. So, so your, your work has focused on queer critical theory, I think, um, in that area. Can you explain what that is? And then I want to touch, if possible, on race critical theory for a minute. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm actually going online here for a moment because my, the, the queer theory, when did it start? I don't think it began until the nineties. My interest in it though, very clearly, I would say comes from, I grew up in a queer household. So my parents were both gay and, um, 
came of age in a time when they were literal criminals and seen as insane, Mm. right? Mm. The homosexuality didn't, it wasn't removed from the DSM until well into the 60s, maybe early 70s. So Mm -hmm. I was born in the late 60s. So, you know, there's tension there between like wanting to have a family. How do I be in the world? My mother could not have a bank account. Wow. When I was born. And um, so I have a lived experience that is queer. I'm queer. Uh, And I think that these questions about how does identity become, how is identity understood, what behaviors and yeah, what behaviors create the knowingness of, you know, who's a man, who's a woman, who's a this, who's a that, how those labels play out. Um, mm-hmm. I believe early, like more recent years would also add on layers of um, political stance, right? So the stone, we're in June, Stonewall. Right. Right. So the Stonewall riot, Mm -hmm. a black trans woman sex worker is the reason we have pride today. So Mm -hmm. so a queer critical theory might be one that looks at the both the origination of pride and the erasure of that origin, because now Mm -hmm. it's everybody puts on a rainbow and you know, Bank of America is sponsoring, and truly what happened was black sex workers who were not cisgender fought back against the authority of the police, of the police state. So people, I guess I'm kind of radical in that regard. (laughs) But it's... can't help it. <laughs> I, I was indoctrinated into a, um, a belief system that, that says, you know, why? Why would you withhold anything from somebody because of who they are and who they love? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 And, and, of course, June, the, the whole month of June is pride in most of the country from some places in the south do it later in the year because of heat at least in the oh US. that makes sense but yeah if, yeah so like atlanta it's like <laughs> it'll be in the fall or something because well, otherwise people would melt in their rainbow outfits but um <laughs> no i think i think that um i think a couple a couple of points there one right is it like everything now is corporate sponsorships and um you know it's more it's more like a party um without well, i think a lot of people necessarily looking to your point at the underlying roots of what caused it and kind of where mm-hmm. and really and why mm-hmm. I, 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 go ahead go ahead i was just going to say why it's important because yeah, that first and, generation right and then we had aids yeah and go, then i'm a sorry whole bunch I'm of people trying to talk over you i'll shut up go ahead sorry. oh no <laughs> i'm very good at talking over i blame my twin brother <laughs> we never learned how to take turns. What did you want to ask, Michael? 
Um, it, it, I, you know, it was more of an editorial comment than a question. But in this moment that we're in now, mm-hmm. where the you had mentioned politics and obviously everything is everything, including masks to save lives or prevent illness, have become politicized. But in you know, in this moment, we're seeing a lot of laws being passed about transgender students, you know, and having to prove their their birth. Uh, their birth gender to participate in athletics and, and many other things. There's, there's a whole, uh, so there's like on the one hand, there's been a, a, a marvelous advancement in many areas with, you know, since gay marriage came into play over the last decade or so, I guess I'm talking about been a marvelous advancement in, in things mm-hmm. being much more positive related to, to gay and, and transgender issues. And then on the other mm-hmm. hand, we're, we're, we're also, we get these sort of repressive and regressive periods that like we're in, in now, and we're seeing the same mm-hmm. thing, I guess, Katie, in in terms of race and a, and a real severe pushback about the idea of critical race theory. Um, and yeah. I guess you know, I kind of I kind of wanted to I kind of wanted to bundle that together and just mm-hmm. you know ask from your perspective of having studied it more so than probably Robin and I, who are more lay lay people or whatever, if you will. Um, like how how should we be trying to think about this kind of stuff right now? Because it's obviously very divisive, and I don't think we're going to change anybody's mind. But what what mm-hmm. what should people be thinking about? The one thing I can offer that I am certain of is capitalism works by erasure. It works through removing, through conquering lands, through genocide, through the exploitation of workers, through uh, a few people owning the control of production, and race cannot be removed from capital. It cannot, especially in the United States. This country was founded by white supremacists. I know this is getting, this is political. In case you haven't realized, I am. It was founded, it was born Mm -hmm. from white supremacy and capitalism and enslaving people. So my sense is that, first of all, critical race theory has the word critical in -hmm. it, which again, people hear as criticism. To have a conversation that specifically identifies the entanglements between money, land, property, people, all of those entanglements, anybody who isn't oppressed by it becomes the oppressor. And that is very difficult, I think, for people to accept, right? Like, I'm not a white supremacist. I don't wear a – I don't go to plan meetings, but I do Mm -hmm. benefit – from the system and it's and also if the only thing making me benefit is the color of my skin I'm speaking generally right this isn't me particular yes. but if that's the thing then it's truly nothing because race itself is a construct and it's constructed in large part as I understand um, capitalism, it's constructed to lift up the white, cisgender, heterosexual, land-owning man. Mm-hmm. And so anybody who isn't at that apex position will be either subjugated, oppressed, impacted, 
this, you know, so it's very few people who actually, oh, and that's this gender heterosexual white man also needs to be able-bodied and have capital. I mean, it's, it's a very small, <laughs> tiny, tiny little group of people who benefit the most. And so as soon as we, the masses, <coughs> become aware of this, then we might wake up and say, you know what? I'm not okay with that. That doesn't sit right. And we might want to change things and people will lose their position of power that they're so deeply and profoundly identified with. Mm-hmm. That's, my, that's, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. I am not a race person as far as um, I, I wouldn't call myself an expert. Uh, but because I knew the question was coming, I thought, okay, I should probably take a seat back and, like, think about this. And that's, that's what mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. So, well, and I, I, mean, it, I know. Go ahead, Robin. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, and, and, and I think there's, there's just this aspect uh, or this thinking as well that it's a, zero, it's a zero-sum game as well. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, those who are in power – um, mm-hmm. I'm doing air quotes as I say that, but those yeah, who are in power feel that um, uh, they have to give something up in order to for someone else to move up along kind of that power spectrum, and and it's not you know you don't have to I don't have to lose for you to win. Um, it's it's not a it's not a pie, um, you know it's not a mm-hmm. a finite um, mm-hmm. a finite sort of thing, and I think the the hardest part uh, again this is these are sort of these are conversations i've had with people with whom i do not agree but that i sit next to at the neighborhood bar every now and again okay um uh-huh. and they um there's just this real sense of i uh, if if i'm going to allow opportunity for someone else i'm going to lose something and that's there's that's, the fear yeah and that's all part of the design. Yeah. Because if we all believe that resources are scarce and there yep. isn't enough to go around, then we need to protect, right? Yep. And because access is limited for all of us, everybody in the U.S., without a great deal of privilege, there's a lot to lose. Yeah. And and where, again, going back to safe places and people, where is the safe space to feel that discomfort to, um, is a person even, I would say, like neurologically capable of sitting in that discomfort? Because how that discomfort is so rooted in trauma and generational trauma, je- I mean, hundreds and hundreds of years of trauma here in mm-hmm. the U.S., mm-hmm. it's a lot to unpack. So, yeah. Yeah. Who wants to who wants to do that, right? <laughs> I mean, I want to do it, but um, yeah, it's big. It's a big conversation, and I think it is impacting work, especially mm-hmm. as we're now. I would imagine as we're now coming back into the offices. I say mm-hmm. we. I am not <laughs> the collective out of we. my living room. Yeah, <laughs> but it's happening. So we're, we're you know we're kind of coming back together. Uh, here in the U.S., enough vaccination that, you know, maybe we're not 
as compelled to have masks on all the time while we're outside. And, and But what does normal mean now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because everything's been it's such a huge opportunity, huge opportunity to um, enact profound change at a very basic level. Yeah. I wish I had more influence to do that. But instead, <laughs> I will use my voice and have opinions, and hopefully um, that can help. Yeah. It, it can't hurt. Um, yeah, I, you know, we're seeing, like, you know, the, a lot of discussion, that, and, it, and it's real for a variety of reasons that I'm not sure I completely understand, labor shortages. And, there, you know, so oh, there, I are, can there tell are... You. Okay, go ahead. I can tell you with certainty because people understand now in a different way what control of the means of production means. Mm-hmm. So the... I would be hard-pressed to give you data right now, and I'm happy to do research if you would like me to be able to back this up better. Um, the, these numbers about, you know, there are so many jobs and people just aren't, they don't, quote, want right. to go back to work. Right, right. Well, if a person's quality of life is better on unemployment than it is at work, the problem isn't whether or not they want to go to work. The problem is where the work is and how it's happening and how exploitative mm-hmm. it is and having to work seven, you know, seven days a week and not having health insurance and all of that. Mm-hmm. So, like, why would somebody go to a $2 an hour job working for tips, being treated like shit because there's not enough people when they could not be subjugated to that abuse and mm-hmm. the system is abusive right. mm-hmm. yeah and there, there are there's clear evidence that a lot of people especially in that industry the fast or the food service industry have made the decision mm-hmm. to walk away um at least yeah. for now um and it's 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 causing major changes in pay and it has yet to tipple tip, topple the tip wage uh concept but i would I wouldn't be shocked if it if it does happen over the next couple of years. If that doesn't happen, I would be shocked. Yeah. Um, I hope you're we'll right. See. We'll, yeah, me too. I, we'll see. It's it's such an ingrained part of the system that's even in the legal minimum wage legal setup, uh, which is you know obsolete. Um, wow, we've gone very deep. Um, we're a half hour <laughs> in. I know. Um, I'm about to pivot you to, to talk what about now. Pink, though. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> that'll be that'll be after this after this sort of now seemingly very fluffy uh, pivot to uh, a thing you did early in your life, which but but I'm always fascinated by these by these the, this idea that I was number thirty three in your case number thirty three oh, yeah. employee at Yahoo, right? And that yeah. you did something that that was called the ontological, which sounds medical, the ontological mm-hmm. surfer team. So I'm curious. About two things. What the hell is an ontological surfing team? And then secondly, <laughs> what's the culture like at Yahoo back in the day when you were number 33 versus, Man. you know, it doesn't even exist today. Just So just share with us a little story or something from those days. Sure. Um, ontology, just as a field of study, here we go back into philosophy. It has to do <laughs> with the nature of being, the nature of what is. Gotcha. And when I got, I got to Yahoo because two guys I went to CMU with, they said, you have to come talk to these people. 
And I was like, why am I driving from San Francisco to Sunnyvale? I mean, it was like it's a commute. And they said, no, no, they really do think like you. And I said, nobody thinks like me, which is mm-hmm. not me being proud. It's me feeling alone. And mm-hmm. my friend Parker, he said, just come down. And, oh, my gosh, did I find my people. Mm-hmm. So I would be surprised if anybody in the, the group I was in, or most people at Yahoo, I would hazard the guess at the time, were and are neurodivergent. Um, we were building the taxonomy of websites by hand. So this was before algorithms, before much. My primary interest was in how people might make complex buying decisions online. Uh, so this, <laughs> and then I said no to eBay. Why? But uh, <laughs> so, that's, so that's what we're doing. We were like looking at things because you know porn, of course, drove a lot of this. This is how mm-hmm. um, privacy happens. This is where like bandwidth needed to be increased. I know people don't like porn sometimes, but it, it truly has helped move the technology forward. <laughs> and so some of what I was doing was like, is this porn? Is this like adult entertainment or is this actual information about human sexuality? And then uh, for fun, <laughs> I would work with different business groups and content um, deals to help businesses flow into this idea of taxonomy before there was any um, algorithm in that way. And so Mm -hmm. it was exciting and fun. I was there. I left when there were about 100 people, um, and that was a moment of arrogance. I was like, oh, I understand how this works. I would like to please go solve different problems. And they said, this is what it is. And I said, but that's not what I want to do. I didn't understand stuff, like all of that stuff I didn't but it was great it was fun and it it got me um into context i never would have been in otherwise so so my my yahoo story is not quite as exciting um i did meet my husband online via, uh, via yahoo chat way back in the day oh cool and um and I remember the Sherm Yahoo parties at Sherm Annual. Remember those, yes. Michael? Those were always like mm-hmm. big blowouts. Oh mm-hmm. So they're, they're, that's not quite as exciting as a Yahoo story, but that's my that's my <laughs> Yahoo story. Well, we, we have um, that in common then, Robin. I didn't know that. I met my ex through Yahoo Singles. <laughs> oh, the there we go. So, so Yahoo changed everyone's life in some way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's no longer... Yeah, and um, Stanford kicked Jerry and David off of their servers because the project was taking up too much space. And then Mark Andreessen, who was Netscape, which is an old, old, old browser, Mm -hmm. he said, oh, you can come over and hang out here. And then, boom, that all happened. Yeah. And then he became... He became mosaic or something. I don't remember. Anyway, Mark. Andrew. Anyway, um, yeah. yeah but, last, last we we are going not... back a generation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know it's like the early early days of, of before the internet mm-hmm. even it really the the World Wide Web anyway even existed. Yeah. Um, 
so we have 10 minutes to talk about the rest of your life and what you do and your work <laughs> and kink and all that stuff. So let's see what we can fit in. So, okay. so right now you, 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 you basically describe yourself as doing three different things, um, which involves titles uh, of somatics, which is movement and yoga. So you're a yoga coach. Um, mm-hmm. You work in general category of communication and then sexual polarity. So yes. Let's, let's, let's grab on to whichever one of those is the most exciting. That'll be a hint. And let's, let's I think talk about sexual that. polarity is where you want to go, and that's fine. I'm very happy to talk about that. Um, the If we could just take the sexual polarity piece and maybe back it up or expand it to be thinking about arousal in general Uh and not only sexual arousal but fear excitement concern love anger shock like emotions and so uh, the the system i work in centers emotional regulation and then one works from a place of this idea of emotional regulation to cultivate skillfulness in one's own arousal cycle or just understanding that. And then the polarity piece, I think for me that, that ties directly into kink and BDSM in that I, because remember I'm non-dual. So I don't see a separation between top and bottom dominant and submissive Right. I, what I see is dance. I see movement. I see flow. I see a wave at the beach. I see, and and that it's there's a dynamicness to it. So that even if our identities in it are static, how we're experiencing each other is never static. And so um, when I'm teaching and working with people who are coming to this from a place of wanting to explore more deeply or understand ways to play with sexual polarity that are, that has um, with minimal or to minimize risk, psychological in particular, requires you and me and anybody in it to have this sense of self, this sense of personal power, this sense of where my edges are, so that when we come into um, communion with another person, we can bring our fullest self to that, whatever that is, regardless of Mm -hmm. ability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And new sex, long orgasms, all the words. (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah, curling. It's all there too. <laughs> this is an HR show. We don't know those words. No, that's not true at all. Um, so, I can tie this directly to HR. I, we definitely, I we definitely could directly, right? Because because <laughs> anybody walking into anybody coming into a context, a corporate context, everybody, we are all sovereign, autonomous people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're not treated that way based on if you um, empty the trash or if you sit in the CEO's office, one can safely anticipate a difference in experience. And the, the feeling of powerlessness, 
uh, that I, my sense is many people have. If it's a dance, if I'm, you know, shielded in whatever way, if I can off-guess my anger, if I can process emotions, if I can, you know, all of that helps a person be a better employee, but it truly helps people in positions of authority understand their power. Uh-huh. And toe curling. <laughs> Again, I'm not sure that answers your question. Or oh, no, I interrupted you and told you how this. Um... No, you're, no, you're 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 good. Um, it's, it's fine. <laughs> I, I I think that um, I think that you know most people wouldn't probably put it in these terms, but like you talked about power exchange and that kind of stuff, and certainly you know you have a, a leader in a subordinate position in the workplace. Um, I think, I mean, it, the, 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 the behaviors are different, but I think a lot of the dynamics are essentially mm-hmm. the same, right? And, and some people, probably all people, bring some form of those dynamics into the workplaces. We just don't recognize them in yes. the workplace and talk, talk about them in those terms. But it's basically yeah. human behavior, in my opinion, anyway. I agree. Um, yeah, absolutely. Robin, I don't know if you yeah. had anything, Robin. No, no. I'm good. <laughs> okay. I'm um, good. I'm so, thinking. I, no doubt. Um, I'm notorious other, for that. Yeah. Yeah, you are. <laughs> um, the other big thing, um, very personal <laughs> thing, and we have like four <laughs> minutes, so we clearly can't do this justice, is, is you, you've, just, you, you've been through cancer for the last year uh, as, a, yes. as a self-described cancer initiative. Initiate. Um yeah, and you know, congratulations on dealing with it as well as you 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 have. And I've shared with you before that you know, seeing some of the things you've shared online, super brave and super Thank learning you. moments for me. Um, but you 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 also do a lot of videos online, sharing your thoughts on a, on a wide variety mm-hmm. of topics, which is one of the things that I noticed when I got the when I got the chance to know you. Um, but you mm-hmm. talk about things like uh, consent in the in the medical process. It, that seems like a big. That seems like a big issue, and it's way more big conversation than we can have in three minutes. But you want to touch on that maybe as the last point of a broad uh, discussion we've had today. Well, sure, and, and you know, and I think it relates to and and weaves in with these ideas of power, autonomy, sovereignty, relationship. Uh, so. First of all, I am an initiate and not a survivor because nothing attacked me. So I'm an initiate. I've been initiated into a new reality. About consent, um, the my experience has been a level of objectification that is disgusting. I mean, just disgusting and Mm. I am seemingly able-bodied decent looking white woman and so then I go holy shit holy shit what is happening with other people and some of that is because the um, as 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 I've been speaking with doctors and nurses it's the well people don't speak up they don't speak up because we're not Thought that we can or that it's safe hmm. culturally back to access 
if somebody's living in a rural area and there's one doctor who can help them and that one doctor objectifies them and touches them without asking and everything, but that's the one place they can go for care, then they're consenting to being abused just to get help. And um, I have no idea what, how I'm going to have these conversations. They are going to happen. I will be there (laughs) not holding feet to the flame. Rather, um, it's something as simple as understanding the orientation or disorientation of people when they come in, right? Like, I don't know everything that's going on. I don't know where the bathrooms are, the garbage cans. We're fish in different waters, but anybody who's in the office, is they're, they're at home. And I think people forget. That I had, there's, we don't have time, but I had an experience um, with my now former oncology practice where I called to um, ask to change doctors and was lit, told literally, we don't allow doctor hopping. Mm. And I said, what? Mm. And that was the word, doctor hopping. Why am I hopping doctors if I want to work with somebody who's integrative? Well, you know, people call and blah. And then I had this, oh, my goodness. So you had mentioned the bar, Robin. You know how there's, like, the front of the house and the back of the house in the restaurant? People in medical context, I think, are just living in the back of the house, and they forget that they're actually customer facing yeah (laughs) you need to yeah yeah that's so true Mm -hmm. so true so um i i do like that you think i sampled this well michael i've been reflecting on just how irate i was (laughs) a year ago um pandemic people you know just with george floyd's lynching being like oh race Race is a thing in America, again, because cultural competency means we also need to be able to look at that which we lack. Yep. All right. So we're we're out of time or close Mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. So um, I guess, uh, Katie, for anybody that wants to hear more from you or get to know you a little better Mm -hmm. or whatever, do you you have a contact contact place you would direct people as our last uh, point of information? Yeah, sure. Um, KDZ.com. K-A-Y-T-E-E-Z-E-E.com. It's true. Like right now it says, oh, I have cancer. <laughs> it's there, and then I'm I'm pretty much KDZ or the KDZ everywhere. So excellent. Yeah, a simple if, search on about the KDZ. Yeah, it truly is everywhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I, I I you know one of my problems is I I I'm so much more interested in the conversation that I forget the part about um, oh here's the one place you can go. No. <laughs> Well, we we helped you with it. Something well, I need anyway, to improve. Thanks so, much, thanks so much for being a guest today. We've run Thank over you a little both. Bit. I appreciate it. Yes. It was yeah. a wonderful conversation. Awesome. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, well, you everybody. Both have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks, both Michael and Robin. I appreciate the time and the opportunity to share a little bit about my perspective. Absolutely. You're, you're welcome. Thanks. Well, take care. All right. Bye. Have okay. a good day, everybody. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye.